When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. It's Brandon. And before we get started, a quick request. Freelance to Founder finds itself in really cool territory. We are nominated for an award in the business category at podcastawards.com. And if you've loved this show over the last two and a half years, we'd really appreciate your vote. The stories, the guests we've had on, the way we presented their backgrounds. Visit podcastawards.com, register, and give us your vote in the business category. We'd really appreciate it. I'm Brandon Hull, and it's time for Freelance to Founder. As of 2019, we are comfortably in the six-figure world. So it's a good feeling. It's taken five and a half years to get here, but uh, we're just getting started. We're unstoppable. When you have a targeted audience, that audience is far more valuable uh, than a audience that is just so all over the place. That was podcaster Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast where I talk to entrepreneurs just like him. They're service providers, marketing agency owners, online course builders, bloggers, product creators, software developers, even other podcasters. And what makes my guests unique is that they typically started these pursuits as freelance gigs, sometimes with no idea how they'd grow them at first. But they ultimately took on a whole new life and scaled far beyond their expectations, even their own dreams, and therefore much bigger than themselves. All right, with this episode, I am calling an audible. Last week, I promised you Chris Cobb of Armstrong Transport. His story will be one unlike any other we've shared with you because he just sold his company. But Chris wanted to be in town when we went live with this episode, so we postponed it. Today, you'll hear the story of Eric Cacciatore, founder of Restaurant Unstoppable. Six years ago, this guy was in college for the second time, culinary school. He was also working two to three jobs at any given time. He'd cast off his first career as a pilot after eight years and felt his heart taking him back to the restaurant industry, hearkening back to his childhood. But a professor made a huge impact on him that changed everything and led to the creation of Restaurant Unstoppable, a podcast, a directory, and soon an online course library for independent restaurateurs and their managers. His podcast alone has gotten him access to award-winning chefs, well-known restaurant operators, and it's earning him well into the six figures as he travels the U.S. to interview them all face-to-face. Podcasting may seem like a big deal now, but not when he got started. All the more reason his story is a powerful one about serving a community with patience, with sincerity, with transparency, and trusting that you'll attract good people and good karma. All right, with that, let's get to my interview with Eric Cacciatore. Eric Cacciatore, it is more than an exciting thing to have you on my podcast. I'm so I'm so happy to have you on here. Thanks. For oh my gosh, me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it's it's fun to get the tables turned on you every once in a while. That's for sure. 
<laughs> you are you are to the restaurant industry the the man on the microphone, the man uh, behind Restaurant Unstoppable, and have been for five years. And now you are you're on somebody else's show. Yeah, exactly. You're on the hot seat. This is the time for you to be quizzed and grilled. And hot I can't lamps. wait. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> That's not how my show works. <laughs> That's not how my show works. So <laughs> Eric is on the vanguard of the new entrepreneurs, I feel like, because he is one of the few out there who has turned podcasting and got started with podcasting before it was really a big thing into a viable, growing, and exciting business that is his full-time profession. Eric, um, can you frame things right out of the gates here and tell us, ballpark, how the business is doing today? What can you tell us about where restaurantunstoppable dot com LLC is <laughs> as a business today. Well, as of 2019, we are comfortably in the six figure world. So it's a good feeling. It's taken five and a half years to get here, but uh, we're just getting started. We're unstoppable. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you have a success mantra or quote that we should start this episode with? You know, something that kind of echoes a lot in my head is there ain't nothing to it but to do it. I think that might be a catchatory original, but so often uh, we're just so apprehensive just to, to get started. And it's usually just getting started. That's the hardest part. And once you make that decision to start, the momentum just takes over and you kind of start laughing at yourself as to why you were putting certain things off for so long. So it's a good mantra. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good. Yeah, one. So that's not yeah. a, a standard if in my show to start with a quote. But actually, <laughs> you're now making me rethink that and uh, and maybe stealing that idea from you from uh, from your show. But there, there's another quote that I use a lot. And the funny thing is, it, it it's a quote that probably changed my life, and I still haven't taken the time to to memorize verbatim what the, the actual quote is. I always paraphrase it, and and you've probably heard this one. And it's um, if you if you make your life about helping other people you can achieve anything you want in your own life and i know I, I destroy that quote every time i say it i don't know why i can't remember verbatim the words but you know the one i'm talking about i do i do i think i've heard you say it probably three or four times as right? well over yeah. time yes i uh and it's a uh, it perfectly represents your personality so six multiple you're, you're you're in well into the six figures as a podcaster in 2019 and i think many people would be suspicious of that or doubtful of that can you, before we start to go back in time and talk about if you, you even imagining that this was possible a few years ago, um, can you talk about the ways that a podcaster, a modern podcaster makes money, like the way that that happens for you and the ways that it can happen for you, the ways that you are starting to learn it can happen for you? Yeah, I think, the, I mean, the, the, the obvious big ones um, that everybody knows about sponsorship, affiliate marketing, a lot of people create the mastermind groups. Uh, and then the ultimate one is creating your own product. I think that's the one that people are focusing on now uh, because it's just getting harder and harder to focus on the affiliate. I mean, for the affiliate marketing in the, in the sponsorship, it's a numbers game. Whereas uh, with your own product, I mean, you can get 500 listeners per episode or 100 listeners per episode. But if you have a high end product that, you know, you're selling for $10,000 pop or whatever, um, you can use that audience to make the to get the biggest bang for your buck. So I mean, I think that that the product thing is probably what's taking off right now, whether that's software as a service or a course or whatever. But I mean, those are the four I know of. I think I said four sponsorship, affiliate marketing, the masterminds, and then uh, creating your own product. All right. So a lot of different ways. And it sounds like uh, increasingly we talk to enough uh, online entrepreneurs or online business owners on this show to know that multiple revenue streams is crucial. No different for you, no different for podcasters. But um, let's let's go back in time just a little bit here. You were uh, a little three-year-old kid whose parents owned a restaurant in New Hampshire uh, and grew up living that restaurant life. I think they closed the restaurant when you were a teenager at one point in time. And, and and yet you continue to work in restaurants like throughout high school, college, and even even after college. Um, yeah. When you were going through that, you were going down some other path. So tell us about that life in the restaurant industry. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that life like? Reflecting back on my childhood, I, I just think about relationships. Um, it, it, I think it's a special thing to grow up as a kid in the center, to, to be in the heart of your town, like the center of your town. Like the, our, our community would come and gather in my parents' restaurant, and it was like you know the living room. Every weekend, everybody in the community would come and be together in my parents' restaurant. I think that's a, an experience that young people today just don't get. We're we're very isolated from society and community in general. But being able to grow up in the in the center 
of the community, like literally having everybody in, in our community at the restaurant every day. I think that I put a lot of emphasis, a lot of weight on relationships and value relationships and just taking care of people. And then just, just the general sense of love myself and my family received um, from the general public for the, the work we do for the, the, the community was just beyond words. But that was not a career path that you necessarily were locked into necessarily. It seemed, I think there was some wavering at one point in time. Um, what, did you, what else did you dabble in? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. Like I'm three years old to maybe 13 at this point. So, I mean, when I was grew up in the restaurant, I literally had no clue what I was going to do. I mean, you don't think about those things when you're 10, 11 years old. Some people do right. and good for them. I always, when I was young, I, you know, I, I've always been a free spirit and I think I've always, I was really drawn to aviation. I think really my naive mind was more drawn to the idea of being able to fly and get away and just go. And like to, in my mind, like that was the life uh, looking at people uh, I remember reflecting, thinking about pilots when I was a younger person. All the pilots I knew in my life had good money. They had the nice house. They had the beautiful wife. They got to travel. Like, yeah, sign me up for that. That looks like a career path. Uh, so I just naively kind of blindly went into that career because it just, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be, I, I, lo- I like the, 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 the energy, the stigma, uh, everything about being a, a pilot. So I figured, hey, if I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Like, that seems like a cool direction. And when I start something, I kind of have a tendency to be bullheaded and just keep on going, 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 going until I get to where I need to be, where I feel like I've reached, I reached, I made it. And that's kind of what happened with my, I became a commercial pilot. So wait, you, you actually, you went through all the training, uh, schooling, all of that sort of thing. And you were a, a pilot, you were certified, whatever the commercial pilot. Uh, yeah. So I, I had my commercial pilot rating. So yeah, when I, I ended up graduating, going to Daniel Webster College, uh, majored in aviation flight operations, started in my journey to become a commercial pilot. And I, I did that for eight years until I was 26. And then one day I kind of just had to have the conversation with myself. Am I happy doing this? Is this my natural, you know, is this the path I'm supposed to be on? Is this what I'm cut out to do? And all the, you know, all the arrows pointed to no. Um, I just, you know, it's one of those things where you're young, um, you, you commit yourself to something. I was always brought up to finish what I start, uh, and to, you know, just, just to see it through. And I think in the back of my mind, I always thought I was going to get better. Well, what was missing? Like what, 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 what was, why you're, you're still young. I mean, you've got a lot of the things, a lot of the dominoes can still fall. That sounds like a bad way of putting it, but a lot of things are still ahead of you in your life. You're in your early to mid twenties. What, what was missing? So I think what was missing was not being on the right path. So just to provide a little bit of context, like I've never been a great student. Like I was that, that person that always tried really hard uh, and got by, but I, I was never like that straight A student. I had to work really hard for my grades. So I'm, I have horrible ADHD. I'm dyslexic. I'm colorblind. I have no business being in an airplane. Uh, but when you think about that, being, you know, having horrible ADHD, being colorblind, uh, having dyslexia, there's it's it's mind blowing that I made it as far as I did, and that I think that's a testament to my work ethic, to my ability to make people want to see me become successful because I put the work in. When people were hiring me, when I was climbing the chain of commercial pilot, uh, basically people were just pushing me through the system <laughs> because they like to be around me, you know. And I think that you know you have to go through these experiences in life. You get you have to turn your, you know, you got to reveal your belly, show your weaknesses to really understand who you are. And once you have that idea of who you are, where your strengths are, you can get on a new track and start leaning into your strengths. And I was leaning into my weaknesses until I was 26 years old. I got off that path. I said, you know, I love the hospitality industry. I, I love making people happy. People like me and I'm, I'm willing to put the work in to do whatever it takes to make, to, to finish the job. And like, I need to lean into those strengths. And that's, basically what started happening at the age of 26. I got, you know, I got off the, the commercial pilot track, I went back to school for marketing and hospitality. And that's when I discovered podcasting to kind of bring it full circle. Did you have some specific tipping point, some specific moment where you felt like it's clinched? I know that I'm done. I'm just not going to go this path any longer. And this is the path I'm going to go down. Did you know that you're going to pivot from aviation to back to the hospitality industry that you grew up in? Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. I mean, I think there's a few variables that played into knowing that I should get out of aviation and that I should focus on my strengths, which is just anything involving involving people. The last test I took uh, to graduate college, uh, my flight instructor said to me, and this was a, a test for, it was something like a GPS elective or something that, ha- that had to do with IFR flying. He said, if you go into IFR conditions, just promise, promise me you're going to have somebody with you. But he was a friend of mine and he pushed me through the system. And to have that kind of over me throughout my early uh, aviation career, knowing that like I probably shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, always made me kind of doubt myself. So I think that having that negative negative stigma, kind of like hang, that cloud hanging over me, I never quite was free within the aviation career to like have a confidence to, to pursue. And I think that kind of held me back. The other variable is when I was flying, when I was doing the work I was doing, uh, not being really happy. Uh, uh, I found myself looking forward to being in my part-time job, which at the time was in a restaurant. Like I, I found myself wanting like to go to my part-time, to leave my full-time job to, to go to my part-time job. And I thought that that was a sign. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah. So I guess I, was there, was there a moment where you finally said, I'm closing the book on aviation and, and hospitality is where I'm heading. This is what I'm doing next. So originally, you know, becoming a, becoming a commercial pilot isn't cheap. So I had $200,000 worth of school loan debt hanging over me. So I wanted to go into a, I wanted to go into the restaurant industry. I wanted to work in restaurants, but I had, I know I knew that I could not because I would never pay off my school loan debt with a restaurant salary or a, a restaurant wage. So I had to get creative. And I think that's kind of what drew me to entrepreneurism and marketing is I, I thought to myself, I mean, if I can't work in restaurants, I want to work with restaurants. I want to work with specifically the people in the restaurant industry, because I think it's the people within the restaurant industry that most draw me to it. I'm curious, like, what was the first step when you're back in the industry full time and aviation is now officially behind you, not not alongside the work that you're doing in the industry? When did you close the door? What did you do? So when I resigned from aviation, I, I was paying something like $1,200 a month in school loans. And now I'm unemployed. I don't have a path. So I went back to school um, mostly to defer my school loans part time. I knew that I took six credits. I wouldn't have to pay my school loans. And I went back to school, um, one, to get away from having to pay my school loans, and two, to surround myself with other people uh, that were kind of along the same path that I was. So I, I guess I got back into the restaurant industry by taking hospitality classes and again, then working in restaurants, uh, went back to the pizza place that I was working at all throughout high school and college. Actually, I thought I was going to get into sales. It's all starting to come back to me. Wine sales. So I got a job at a winery. Um, I think I had three or four jobs at this time. I got a job volunteering at a winery, which turned into a, a full-time uh, wine assistant or assistant winemaker uh, role, which the, the idea was I would learn about wine and then I would sell wine 
to restaurants because I could make more money as a sales rep. Um, that's why I was taking the marketing. I was trying to get a hospitality marketing background to get sales jobs in hospitality. It, apparently, despite the fact that you worked in the restaurant industry, you love the restaurant industry, your parents owned a restaurant because of the, the student loan debt. Did it just not even occur to you that you, or was it not part of your future that you would own a restaurant or own a few restaurants or something? That just, that wasn't a path you wanted to take? Well, it, I mean, so it's a little, the way my mind works, when people ask me questions, I have to like dive into the way my mind works. And I had a plan back then. I thought that, well, I think I'm, I'm leaving out a part that's really crucial, which is when I started taking these hospitality classes, I had um, a professor who turned me on to podcasting. One day he came into the classroom and he said, Hey, um, who here listens to podcasts? And this is like 2012. So it's, it's like really early years of podcasting. Who here listens to podcasts? And not any one person raised their hand. And this is a night class. Uh, he walks out of the classroom. He goes into the hallway. And you know, in like the, the college dorm or the college uh, classrooms, there's usually that like four inch by like two foot vertical window that's in the door sure. that you can see it like with like the yeah so i'm looking through that window and he looks left he looks right he's out in the hallway and he screams you've got to be effing kidding me talk about like de delivering a point right he and he came back into the the classroom he said you are all missing out on an incredible opportunity to to be influenced to learn uh from anybody on any topic if you start listening to podcasts your homework assignment is to go home and to find three podcasts and listen to them and come back and talk about them. So I went home and I searched uh, hospitality, entrepreneurism, and um, or I think it was like restaurants, entrepreneurism, and marketing. As you can imagine, <clears throat> a ton of podcasts on entrepreneurism, a ton of podcasts on marketing, not a single podcast worth listening to about the restaurant industry. So that was like my first clue. Um, but I started listening to all these marketing and entrepreneurial podcast. And the thing is, I mentioned earlier that I got a job as an assistant winemaker. So I was in the cellar for eight, 10 hours a day uh, when I was 26 years old, just chewing through hours and hours of podcasts. Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire, Michael Hyatt's This Is Your Life, all like the big swingers back in 2012, allowing myself to get influenced by these incredible entrepreneurs that are just willing to spill their guts and their knowledge about how they became successful in whatever vertical they were in. And I was just started thinking to myself, like, why doesn't this podcast? Because remember, I was looking for the restaurant podcast from day one, and I continued to try to maybe every month try to see if somebody came up with that podcast. And after about six months, I kind of had this aha moment. Like I can start this podcast. I can be the person that goes out there and finds successful entrepreneurs or sorry, restaurant tours and get them to share how they did it because it's just so powerful. Like I was living proof that like you can be so influenced by the success stories of other people and just everyone's building this knowledge. I just, I just wanted to get on that bandwagon. I want to be a part of that and I want to do it for an industry I was passionate about. So there's this moment where you're realizing, wait a minute, my future is now laid out in front of me. This is what I want. You're saying that the, the, hearing these podcasts was the moment where you realized this is what I need to do. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, yeah. You know, I think uh, I, earlier I mentioned when I was a commercial pilot, I was leaning against all my weaknesses. But with a podcast, I'm leaning against all my strengths. I've always been able to kind of put people at, at ease. It's something about my demeanor. Like I'm non-threatening. I'm, I'm, I'm good at approaching people and asking for things. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good at serving a cause. I'm good at, at finding something that's worth doing and rallying the troops and being a cheerleader and saying like, this thing needs to exist. And this is why you need to be a guest on my show. I wasn't, you know, I think the, the saying is if you have the right why you can deal with any how, right? And I think that's what was really driving me early on is I knew that this resource of people coming together to share their knowledge, to share their story. We needed this plat platform to exist in our industry. It's the second biggest industry in the world behind like, like healthcare, you know? Uh, so that why is what drove me. But this is 2012. Surely you're evaluating the space a little bit because you're thinking you're going to go into it and this is going to be your thing. And you're realizing that you could probably count on one to two hands, the number of podcasters who made a full-time living doing that back in 2012. Did that not occur? To, did that not even enter your mind? Or did you just think, I want to do this. This this would be fun. See, like you, some people would say like, oh, there's, there's only five people that are doing this and say, I could never do that. But I'm the kind of person that's like, oh, there's only five people doing this. That means there's way more room for more people to be doing this. Like this is my chance to get on now. And 
I couldn't see a reason not to do it. It's funny because uh, earlier when we started this podcast with saying, oh, I'm in six figures, but I still don't feel like that's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not even like really phased by it. I mean, that's not even, that was never even a, a, a milestone that I was trying to hit. Like I see myself, my vision for what I could create, what I can grow restaurant unstoppable into like, like a hundred thousand dollars. And there's just so much potential. So like, I, I think that's another variable <clears throat> from people who just drive is they don't, they, they, their vision for success is so much, is so out of reach that like, they just keep pushing for whatever that vision is. And all the things that they achieve that other people would be like, wow, that's really impressive. Like they don't, don't even recognize it. It doesn't even, it's not even on their radar. So let's talk about the, let's talk about as a business, you decided from a career or life uh, or business standpoint that this is the place that you need to go is in podcasting. What did you do in those first few months? Obviously you got to, you got to make some money. So, and you're starting this from scratch. So what did you do those first three to six months to, to start to make this something that you uh, did in a full-time way and could potentially make some money for you. What was life like those first uh, first few months? I didn't really make any money on the podcast until maybe like two and a half years, 200, 300 episodes of just showing up, working a bunch of jobs. I mean, I, I was editing in my car while I was Ubering up to like two years ago. And it wasn't just like a you know, start the podcast six months, now I'm full-time. It was like a, a pendulum swinging from working three jobs doing the podcast to working a full-time job and taking a little bit of money from the podcast to, okay, now I'm full-time in the podcast, but I'm still Ubering and picking up shifts at the, the restaurant every once in a while. Um, it, you know, I, I think that people think that it's going to be a switch right away and it's not usually it, it's, it's a slow gradual transition of just keeping, just putting pressure on, putting pressure on. And then it's slowly over time, it, it swings to a, a, a place where it's something that you can, sustain your lifestyle from uh, podcasting. So don't think that it's going to happen in three or four months because it, it might never happen, you know? So you're balancing uh, at least one, if not multiple uh, part-time jobs. Uh, I assume that there's there's no one full-time job. You had several part-time jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, I was valeting. I was delivering pizza. I was working in the restaurant cooking pizza. I was Ubering. I mean, I was doing anything that was part-time the, the cool thing too is like the pizza place I was working at, I had to work out there throughout high school and college and after college. So I could just show up and be like, who wants to go home <laughs> and get money that way. So like just having, finding ways to be super creative to, to make money, to just supplement the income. And you, you know, you, you got a side hustle. You can't just go into becoming a podcaster overnight. Like it, it's like I said, like that gradual swing from what well, you're calling it a side hustle. It sounds like the podcasting was the well, side first. Hustle. Yeah. The, at first, I mean, I mean, I wasn't even expecting to make any money at first from the yeah. podcast. I knew that it had a, the potential, but you have to have that mindset that you might go like two or three or four years or even five years before it's worth your while. And not many people are and like that's showing up sometimes. I was, I'm, I published three episodes a week at one point. So, I mean, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like I don't people, I don't know if people realize so yeah, and, and in full disclosure, and I think some people m- might might who are listening to this might be aware of this, but uh, I owned my own content resource years ago. That was a blog. It was a glorified blog because it had numerous contributors and it was more magazine like, but it was targeted for the restaurant industry. That's how I first became aware of you, Mister Eric Cacciatore, as you well know. And I've had enough people on the show who have made significant incomes in their lives or make a significant income um, through blogging, through writing, uh, and then creating courses and so on and so forth. And you started a podcast at a time when people were still doing that part, the blogging part, uh, creating their own little um, you know, niche online site and things like that. And you went down a different path, but for a niche industry as well. Did, you, did that ever occur to you? Like you, you knew draw, you were drawn to the restaurant industry. Did it ever occur to you to do more than, podca- than a podcast to build this more robust sort of offering to the restaurant industry of which podcasting was a part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that was one of the unique selling propositions that I had was that I had a niche, a niche and, and I could own this niche and, and I knew that nobody was serving this, this niche. So I, that was one of the, the, the biggest reasons why I started the restaurant podcast because I knew I could kind of recreate what like say pat flynn was doing with smart passive income where basically he's just an open book and he goes out there and he's the student well so it sounds like you, it sounds like you did have a, an idea that podcasting would be one of several legs in the stool so to speak right yeah <laughs> it honestly, sounds like it, it, 
it was going to be at the core, but it wasn't going to be the only thing that you offered. When I first started, I, I, I kind of always believe in just doing one thing really well. And to be completely frank, like I, I had different visions, but I never knew where I was going to end up. And I think it's uh, John Lee Dumas that always says, like, you know, focus, follow one course until success. I, I kind of just doubled down on podcasting and I figured, you know, I can't be everything to everybody, but if I can be number one at one thing uh, for long enough, I can use that number one to uh, spur off other opportunities and, and create whatever. Honestly, I, I, I just knew I had to focus on one thing. I think there's a lot of power in just focusing on one thing, owning one niche. And then it's like you look at like a doctor, um, general practice practitioners don't really do that great, but it's the specialists, the, the people that focus on doing one thing better than anybody else that get ahead. And looking back at who I was, I wasn't a famous restaurateur. I didn't, you know, I wasn't some world known chef. I wasn't some crazy consultant. I was a person that could be the best Eric Cacciatore, who was somebody who was genuine, passionate to serve, and who is willing to outwork others. And I put all that, that those if factors and that, that passion, that worth, that ethic into becoming, becoming the number one restaurant business podcast. Um, and that being that number one restaurant business podcast has given me leverage in a foothold to attract onto myself other people and other opportunities. Let's talk about the business side of that then. How, you pour all of those attributes and talents and mindsets, worldviews, perspectives into this podcast. And that's the one thing that you want to do, knowing that it can start to expand at some point in time into additional offerings to the hospitality industry. Walk us through what was life like. What, what You booked guests on your own. You interviewed those guests. You edited those episodes by yourself. It sounds like you just kind of trudged along doing this for fun. At what point did this turn into, wait a minute, I need to start getting some monetary value from this, financial value from this. When did the light bulb go off that I need to start making money or I can start making money from this? I mean, I knew from day one that I needed to make money from it, but I guess I just, a lot of faith, you know, a lot of faith that if you do the work, that if you exist to serve and you exist to put value into the, the world, it will come back some way, somehow. I think that we live in the society right now where everybody wants everything to be instantaneous and it's just not. So it um, wasn't, it wasn't instantaneous for you. You thought you could, but at what point, how long, how far along were you when you finally were able to derive your first check from your own podcasting efforts? How long did you start doing it? You're, you're, you're almost what, 620, 630 episodes into this? I think the first, like, money I ever made from the podcast was like almost after a hundred interviews where I basically sold a book, you know, like it took like that long just to sell a book. And I was like, maybe it was like 50 episodes. I can't remember, but it was in the first year that like I, I sold, I made an Amazon sale and like I jumped through the roof. Maybe I think it might've been like 20 episodes. I might've been exaggerating there, but I jumped through the roof. You know, I was so excited that it worked. Um, and I think, wait, 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 you got, you got your was, affiliate commission. It was like 20 cents. Book. <laughs> exactly. It was like 20 cents. Uh, Did you put those two dimes in a uh, frame on the wall? <laughs> but no, I think it's just, the thing is it's, it's a lot of little rewards over time that are better than the previous awards. And as long as you get like, as long as there's the balls moving and you're moving closer and closer to that direction, I think it's enough to give you the will to show up. And I think that's what was happening with yeah. me. It was never overnight, but you know, yeah. I, I made the 20 cents from, book in a month and then in the next month i made 40 cents and i i think the other huge thing with podcasting is paying attention to that those analytics because every morning the first thing i do is i wake up i open libsyn and i'm like okay like the trend is going up and as long as there was a trend going up i kept showing up uh yeah. and i think that having those analytics i mean if i didn't know the show was growing i probably would have quit a long time ago uh and i think more than that um the thing that helped me continue to show up was the feedback I was getting from listeners saying that your podcast is changing my life and like I'm finding so much value and like I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have this podcast and and that's what honestly I'm not driven by money and I think you, you've you've grown to know me well enough that money isn't what keeps me going my reputation and knowing that I'm helping other people and knowing that this podcast needs to exist in the world is what keeps me going and if, like I said earlier if you have any you can deal with any how if you have the right why. Um, so I think when you're starting your podcast early on, don't be focused on the money. Don't be focused on becoming rich or whatever. Focus on becoming a person of value and living your core values, living your mission and trying to serve something greater than is yourself. And 
I know it's super woo woo, but like the universe listens, the universe, you know, if you, if you, you got to give before you get, and you have to add value into the, the universe before the value returns the favor. An episode like this should have an appeal to two primary audiences, to people who want to start up a business and have an idea for a, uh, I'm going to use the word niche community, even though my wife speaks French fluently, I refuse to say niche. <laughs> Who people have a niche community in particular that they feel that they are called to or particularly uh, well positioned to serve. And then there's going to be the podcast community, people who want to know uh, how somebody has, has finally made a full-time living from podcasting and maybe they're in a position where they haven't or it's still a hobby for them. So there's probably going to be two different types of people who this episode uh, has appealed to and will continue to appeal to for the rest of the duration of the, of the episode. So... I want to make sure that I cover both bases for those audiences. So let me ask a question that's directed for my podcast listeners. And I'm going to go right back to our entrepreneur listeners because that might include the podcasters as well. As a podcaster, when were you finally at the point where you felt like you could shed your other sources of revenue, your jobs, your, 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 you had several jobs and I'm sure it weaned back to two jobs and it weaned back to, an, to one job. When was the point where you could finally say, I'm all in now. This is all I'm doing for my income. Uh, a year ago? <laughs> like it's not, um, you know, it's been about a year since this is all I've been doing. Um, up so 2018, you said that. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to, to throw some numbers at you, like 2017, I did like 20,000, or I think I did just shy of 20,000. And in 2018, I did 45,000. And this year I'm on course to break well over a hundred thousand. So, I mean, I was making 20,000, less than 20,000 a year dollars a year for my podcast two years ago. So up until the, like literally the turn of 2018, I was publishing a bunch of content, doing all the editing, uh, recording, editing, promoting, doing all the, the whole process, but I was doing it from my car while Ubering. Like I was like, I would record and then get in my car and literally use my phone as a hotspot, sit in my car, edit, I had like a little mini car like setup and I was doing it all from my car and I was probably making an additional like 10,000 a year um, from Ubernate or maybe between five and 10. So just enough to basically like get by. And I would always work the other jobs just enough to get by and kind of stay as lean as possible. But I, I knew that the podcast would get better once I could be in person, once I could make a human connection. And I I mentioned relationships earlier in this interview, the, the power of relationships. I felt like the podcast was so transactional when I was doing the interviews remotely. Um, it, and I knew that once I could get on site, not only would the content be better, the audio quality would be, be better. The connection with the guests would be better. There's that after interview where you sit down and you have a drink and you chat and they say, who else are you talking to? And then just start opening up their networks. And that's the magic that I was after. And that, I think that's where the podcast really started to take off is being on site, having the story, the and people seeing the the lengths I was willing to go to to deliver this content. Well, that's also reflective of uh, the hospitality industry. You know, it, it it perfectly matches up with what the hospitality industry is about, which is eyeball to eyeball. You know, facial in person yeah. connections with people. You know, a social type of connection with people, and so you you match that really well. So that's interesting from a podcast standpoint, from a business standpoint, what have you learned about turning a, a care for, a love for a specific niche industry and turning that into a business? What have you learned about that? I think the, the most valuable thing when it comes to niches are, you got me weird on this word niche now. I want to say niche, but you're saying... <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever comes, you like. <laughs> when it comes to niches, uh, especially in the restaurant industry, um, when you have a targeted audience, that audience is far more valuable uh, than a audience that is just so all over the place. So if you're hosting an entrepreneur podcast, all, entrepreneurs come in all different shapes, sizes, and interests, and there's just so many verticals there. But I'm creating a podcast specifically for restaurant owners and operators. And I can even say it's even more specific to independent operations. So no, like I, I went to a, a, a niche that wasn't being served, and I niched down even a level diff, like a level further to focus on small mom and pop people who are passionate about food and have this dream of opening a restaurant but have no freaking clue what they're doing. And it's really easy to feel alone. That 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 um avatar that I just painted, the independent 
restaurant operator. Like there are so many questions you happen to have a, an archive of people just sharing their knowledge. This is so valuable to that person um, because there's nothing, there's nothing else like it. So you, I mean, and you have to remember the world is your market today. It's not just your community, your local community. It's the world. So anybody who fits that avatar in the world um, will find value. That's a massive marketplace. Uh, but the thing that's, I think what really hurt me early on, and I, it took um, some bringing on other people who had different perspective uh, to show me that like my, my podcast was more valuable than I thought it was. Because I think when I first started trying to get, get sponsors for the show, I think I was charging like, I knew that because I had a niche target, audience i could get more than the industry standard which at the time was like 42 dollars per 1000 downloads or something like that so i was like okay i'll i'll charge 50 <laughs> like i'll get seven more dollars per 1000 downloads and like that's good uh and then people out there were like oh man how, how much are you charging for sponsorship i'm like oh like 50 like 60 i know it's like 20 dollars over like average and some people were just like you could probably get like 100 or 150 some people were saying like i would charge 500 per episode i'm like that's absurd like in my mind like i was like that will never happen so i just started with i think 50 and then maybe after six months i went up to like like 60 then after i think the most i got it on my own was up, up to like 70 dollars per 1000 downloads and at the time i was getting like 2100 or 1500 downloads per episode and um so i was making about uh i want to say a hundred dollars per sponsor per episode 200 dollars per episode I think that was the most I ever got it on my own. And then get, starting to get that outside perspective of people being like, you, you got to recognize your value. You got a niche here. And I think you can get $400 per sponsor per episode. And I think you can even add another sponsor on there and do three sponsors instead of two. So overnight, I went from making $200 an episode to making $1,200 an episode. And and it's just like getting that outside perspective can be so important and and not devaluing what you have and just trying what's the worst that's going to happen they laugh at you and say no well then bump it down a little bit and see what you can get a yes for and just just you, you never know unless you try in the early days though when you were in those when you were getting enough momentum that you felt like you should have sponsors like you deserved to have the sponsors and it wasn't going to detract from the show but you you weren't really making a whole lot of money in general from your podcast you had these other jobs you're editing on the go you're doing it all you're a one-man show was there ever a point where the stress just felt like this? It was a cool experiment. It was fun. It's it, this is not really going to be a thing for me, though. I got to call it. I got to really. Consider I mean, I think everybody be here. Everybody has their doubts. Everybody has that hanging over them. Um, I mean, to, to get the show to where I had to get it, my, my personal life has taken a huge hit. Um, I've basically isolated myself over the past three years to be able to to get these interviews. I'm meeting more people than I've ever met in my life, but they're. They're not that consistent person in your life. I haven't had a consistent person in my life for like three years. And yeah, like that weighs on you. That starts, you start to wonder, you're like, what's this all for? And then you just got to have hope and you just got to keep showing up and you have to sacrifice. If you don't feel like you're sacrificing, then I don't think you're ever going to make it. Like maybe that's a dismal, grim thing to say, but I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I think I, I know I see, I see the, the potential. Um, I'm finally starting to get people consistently in my life because I've I've put enough energy and I've built this thing and now restaurant stoppable is a thing of value and when when you create something of value you attract and you, if you create something of value with with standards and ethics and 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 morals you start to attract onto yourself people that have those same standards ethics morals and they want to be a part of it and 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 they and it takes years of sacrifice, but if you, if you keep showing up, you put the work into something of value, that value will attract onto yourself other people who can then help just add to that momentum. That's kind of where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm at the, for the first time in five years, I'm starting to get a team. I'm, I'm not doing this alone all the time. I can, I can get in my own lane. I can delegate the things that I'm not good at, and it's an incredible feeling. So at, at there, So clearly there was a point at which you realized that not only can I make more money? You actually did turn the corner and the podcast became your only thing. Uh, and not only that, but it sounds like people started to enter your life that could help out with little pieces here and there. Um, how much of Restaurant Unstoppable today is you and how much do you have uh, virtual assistants or contributors or whatever um, uh, helping out with different aspects of it? How much is you and how much is others? 
it's me and I would, I would identify three solid people in my life right now that are contributing to Restaurant Unstoppable. And two of those three people are doing it. Um, I mean, at least one of them are doing it completely out of the the will of the goodness of their heart just to contribute to something that they know can be great. And I feel like the other people are just like, it's, it's almost as if they're volunteering. So I feel like I'm not giving them nearly enough, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and it's just amazing. It's so heartwarming to know that they see the value in restaurant unstoppable and they're almost, and they're willing to put the sweat equity in early to help build the thing. But I, I mean, right now my, my major role and what I do is just envisioning, uh, and basically production and outreach to, uh, content creation and out- outreach to guests. And now I'm, I'm delegating sponsorship, uh, relations. I think it's, it's editing, uh, publishing and promotion. Sorry. So I'm outsourcing editing, publishing and promotion. Uh, and I'm also adding a whole new, uh, element to the show, which is video. And, uh, I can say his name, Jared. I've, I've he's been amazing. And when I think of Jared, he, he's everything that I'm not, he's attention to detail. He is systematic. He is the person that I need in my life right now. So, uh, to have somebody who is great with the, the editing, the, the publication and the promotion, you can pay attention to all that detail and just be able to say, you focus on this and to have them do it better than I could ever do, you know, elevates the show. It, it allows me to focus on what my strengths are, which is outreach and relationships and just visionary create, creating good content. And it, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. The, it seems like you hit a, uh, a point where Restaurant Unstoppable didn't just have to be a podcast. It's now a business. It's it's a a service provider <laughs> in some ways yeah. to the restaurant industry. Um, what are some of the additional rev- revenue streams that you either committed to and we're not aware of um, and that have launched or ones that we can expect to see as Restaurant Unstoppable sort of unfolds to be bigger than a podcast? Before I, I talk about the future revenue, I want to just talk a little bit more about partnerships and uh attracting onto yourself people so the 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 people that i've attracted onto myself um when you are accepting help from people i gotta talk i gotta mention anna anna tazin has come on and when i think about you gotta know who you are and what your strengths are and my strengths are definitely just work ethic i'm a cheerleader you know that's what i am i'm I'm the guy with the vision who echoes the the values who echoes the the the, what restaurant unstoppable could and should be. Uh, and I'm a recruiter. Uh, when I'm bringing other people on, when you're bringing other people onto your business, do they offset you? Are they going to add more of what you already have? Or are they going to add something completely new? When I think of, you know, Jared with his attention to detail and his passion for, for editing in words and video and all these things then I think of Anna, who is a systems person, right? She's an organized systems person. I'm not that person. So I'm bringing people on that compliment me and you, you got to do the same thing. And then there's one other person who likes to remain in the, the shadows, but he is the person that is at the leading edge of the industry. He, he pays attention to what's happening with podcasts. Podcasting is his passion and he is a marketer and he knows the value of things. So don't just chum up with people for the sake of just because you need somebody on your team, find the right people that, 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 round you off and round your business off. And I think I've done a really good job at surrounding myself with a, with an A team and just be intentional with the people you surround yourself with. Well, it sounds like since you uh, undermined my desire to ask a question about future for forward thinking, <laughs> no, the forward I do state, want to answer wait, that hang question. On, hang on, hang on. Like, since you wanted to mention that, um, I kind of feel like uh, that what that calls out is, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's one thing to find other assistants who can do certain tasks for you. And I think every entrepreneur who, especially uh, entrepreneurs who own online businesses, digital businesses, things like that, um, many of them know the value of having a virtual assistant or outsourcing your social media management or doing this or that. Like That's a pretty common thing. But it sounds like in your case, you've gone about things in a slightly different way. While you do have certain (laughs) tasks you want, you also want people who might challenge you in thinking about Restaurant Unstoppable as a business in a different way than you would if you were on your own and had to be the, you know, had to be all things, had to be the the CEO, yeah. the strategic guy, the vision guy. You have thought, you've, you've wanted to, or you've attracted people who can push you to do more with this. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely have uh, people that, that see the potential, people that have the skill set that I feel like I am, I guess, missing. Um, but, you know, there's a million different ways to skin a cat. And I probably do most things completely backwards. But I think when you're trying to figure out wh- how you want to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you have to ask yourself what's most important to you. And there are people that say, you know, go to the virtual assistants, do it as cheap as possible. Uh, be the first one to launch. Just launch. Just go, 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 go. Usually, if there's one way to do something, there's usually a complete opposite way to do something that is just as effective, but just on the other side. I mean, every right way to do something has its opposite, right? And the way that I tend to like to do something is is slow, uh, lethargic, and I put more emphasis on relationships, uh, the value of the people in my life. That it's it's I'm I'm very transformative. I'm not transactional. I don't like just working with people where I just know their name and that's it. And I, I tell them to do a thing like that. I think we need more transformative relationships in society. And that, maybe it's because I surround myself with restaurant owners who are successful because of the relationships they have. Like I rather be slow. I rather take time. I rather connect my, surround myself with the right people and have those relationships in my life. Um, but as far as that goes, I mean, your question, yeah, they, they have helped me see the potential of restaurant unstoppable, the, the, the different possibilities as far as, the ways we wanted to add other channels of revenue. Um, they, I don't know. I don't think I'm answering your question, but you're dodging uh, it, but um, <laughs> I don't want to push too hard on no. that because I think that will just start to drag on for our listeners. But no. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess they, they have seen. So the, the way we want to basically what I have, because I put so much emphasis on trust and relationships and the people I surround myself with, I I've developed a lot of trust with my, with my listeners and I've, I've guarded those listeners. And uh, I think that has served me because now I have, it might not be you know ten thousand downloads an episode, but it's it's a few thousand downloads with a, a targeted audience that knows, likes, and trusts me. And um, I don't want to say I'm, I'm going to uh, monetize that trust, but I, I definitely can use my filter, use my data. I mean, I have six hundred episodes of people recommending things, and not just tools and resources and books, but business philosophies. And we can use that data to, to go deeper into into guide people, and then to find where there's where there's a, a tool or a service that's associated with whatever, whatever recommendation and become affiliated or uh, put together a course from one of my experts. And, and maybe they don't even know that they could build a course, but um, basically the future of Restaurant Unstoppable is going to these relationships, going to my network and saying, you are the best at HR. You are the best at culture. You are the best at accounting You know, and, and find all these different systems that are out there. And then to give these people my platform to share their knowledge because they've made it through the filter. Like they're in the circle of trust and why not promote good people doing good business to my audience of good people? I think, I think people, if you step back and just look at your situation, you're a guy who started a podcast at a time when podcasts weren't a big deal, especially for the restaurant industry. Over the course of five to six years, you've turned it into a well into the six figures business. Um, and even if that has largely emerged over the last, let's call it 12 to 15 months or so, uh, you, you've gone from podcasting for an industry that is not particularly technologically advanced and prone to look at the leading edge tools and ways to educate themselves and so forth. They've been known to be uh, a little bit slow in adopting new things. Um, I would even say the way that the challenge that you must have had, even, even finding guests in the early days versus nowadays when you're recognized in restaurants in Austin, Texas, because somebody sees you from uh, across the way <laughs> who runs their own restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of people would have a hard time imagining how this is even possible. When you look back at your early days of trying to land guests, forget even trying to attract listeners, just trying to land guests and why it would be worth their time to be on your show versus what it's like now when you can drive to a city and conduct 10 or 12 interviews and and be recognized by people. How do you make sense of this? It's almost like mini celebrity status for a, a specific industry or community. How do you how do you how do you uh, how do you make any sense? <laughs> it's of been this? a complete 180. I, like just ref- while you're talking, just reflecting back on what it was like when I first started, I'd probably get one guest for every 10 emails I sent. So I was publishing two to three episodes a week. 
I mean, that's a lot of emails. I'd have to send 30 emails just to get a week's worth of content. It's just been like, just like the money, it's just been a slow, gradual swing of the pendulum. But in all honesty, it doesn't get easier because now I have, I have publicists writing me daily. I get people pitching me daily to be a guest on the show. And before, like, I got to choose, you know, I might have had to send 10 e- emails to get one yes, but I got, I got to choose who I got, who I wanted the show. Now I have people pitching me to come on the show and I have to say no and I have to turn people away. And I promise you that is way harder. If you're anybody, if you're anything like how I am, turning people away and having to create that standard and say no is 10 times more difficult. Well, 600 episodes in, is there, well, actually, let me ask that. Is there an ideal guest for you? Is there a guest that represents the perfect example of the story that you want to tell? I like Restaurant Unstoppable to be as organic as possible. So my my perfect guest right now is a a referral from a current guest. And the last, one thing that I I do that I think is, I'm sure other podcasters do it, but at the end of every interview, what I ask my guest is, who's one person you respect and admire in the restaurant industry and would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today? And by doing that, um, I'm basically asking that person to to think about who they look up to restaurateurs in their community that they say, wow, like that person's got together. Like, I wish I could have that success. And if you typically, when you ask a person of success to recommend a person of success, they're always going up the ladder, right? They're always referring somebody they're aspiring to be more like. And that approach, um, you know, has served me really well. And I like that it's organic, that I like that it's the unsung heroes and, and the people that are in the restaurant industry for the right reasons, um, not for the pl- the press, not for the media, but the people who are just real, genuine, good business people with good values are the ones that are being recommended through this 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 technique that I'm using. So, uh, I mean, the the perfect guest for me is somebody who you know has at least five years of experience. Uh, I I tend to focus on independents or multi unit operators, but I t- try to stay away from franchises. I mean, those are the big ones for me, and 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 just considerable accolades is the other variable I use. But now it's mostly just referral and. Um, is there somebody who you would love to have on your show as a guest or even know was a regular listener somehow? You got an email from somebody that says they would like to be on your show or somebody that says they listen to your show who's a well-known restaurateur that you could call out that you would love to have on. Somebody who hasn't been on the show that I would love to get on the show? Correct. Can I mention a few? Maybe we'll take advantage of this. <laughs> of course you can. Uh, Danny Meyer has been recommended a bunch of times on the show. As somebody I should get on the sh- uh, that I should have on the show. I'd love to get Danny on the show. Um, Rick Bayless is another one that comes up all the time. He's got an open invitation. I think those are other two uh, that come up a lot that I, I would love to get on the show. Uh, also, David Kinch, I think I'm saying his last name correctly, uh, is another one. And I'll just throw Wolfgang Puck. Why not? Because I feel like he's an incredible business person and I love his backstory. But if you never had them on, it sounds like you'd be perfectly happy. It sounds like the stories that you most love are to go into some uh, suburb of, of some major town and sit down with a restaurateur who's been in business for a few years and maybe even won a couple local awards for the quality of their food and, and their staff says good things about them. And just having a heart to heart with them would be your continue to do that would be your perfect world. Yeah, ideally. (laughs) So as a business, tell us now, what can we expect for how you intend to expand the business? What should we expect to see? I still wanted to create content, I guess, diversifying different types of media, not just doing the podcast, but focusing on also video, adding that as a video revenue stream, having that additional media source to sell to sponsors. And then, um, going back to my network of 600 past guests and saying, these are the people that most impressed me. These are their areas of expertise. And then going deeper and sharing my platform with them to really dive into a specific area of knowledge, whether that's accounting, whether that's uh, systems and processes, whether that's legal, whether that's you, you name it, there's, there's so many potential topics to discuss and to, to go deeper. Uh, when I first started, I, I looked at myself as a student of the industry and I was just here to absorb and, and to get direction and to have an idea of what it takes. After 600 episodes, I have an idea and now it's time to pull back those layers and just provide even more value. Eric Cacciatore, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I've been all over the place, but I hope you guys found some value. That was the story of Eric Cacciatore of Restaurant Unstoppable. Coming up next week, I will bring you the story of Chris Cobb, founder of Armstrong Transport. As I promised, a story unlike any other will probably ever tell on Freelance the Founder. 
All right. Thank you to the Podglomerate Network who promotes the show along with so many other great shows on the network. And a thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Millo and admin of the Millo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as our incredible assistant, Bilal Abrar, for helping put this episode and all of our episodes together. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch me at Brandon Hull on Twitter if you like, and feel free to drop your rating or review on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder. The Podglomer. A Sonic Universe.